Amen. Thanks, Aaron. Man, what a what a wild holiday this is. What an Aaron, Aaron, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking earlier. We're here tonight to celebrate the death of a guy 2,000 years ago. What a wild thing. We're celebrating death. And the reason we're doing that is because there is nothing better for us. I remember this was probably 15, oh, I'm getting old. I think it was actually about 20 years ago when I began to fear death. Sorry, was that too? I'm getting old and it was 20 years ago. Some of you are like, oh, come on, youngin. No, I remember I was young when I began to fear death. I was playing freeze tag with some of my friends in elementary school. And uh, my mom came and picked us up, or me and my brothers. She picked us up from school and she brought us home and we could tell there was something a little different that day. Um, it f- just didn't feel right. And she sat us down there looking at our fireplace right here. We were sitting to the right in a chair. And she sat us down and said, all right, boys, me and my two brothers, we have some bad news for you. I said, what, what is it? And in that moment, I knew what she was going to say as well as I could as a six, seven, eight-year-old, however old I was. She said, Grandma's dead. From that day on, I hated death. From that day on, I was terrified of death. I wanted to stay as far from it as I could. It was evil. It was horrible. It was terrible. It was the worst possible thing that could have happened. My grandma's the one who taught me to love G.I. Joe's, Pavarotti and the Three Tenors, all of the above. It was great. She was so much fun to be around. But now she's dead. And it set me on this journey. I I grew up in a, a small Lutheran church, so I understood the concepts of heaven and hell and death and resurrection, all these things. I grew up celebrating Easter and Good Friday, but at that very same time, even knowing that there was a heaven and there was a hell, it still put me on this course of just hating death. But friends, I wonder... I wonder if today, the reason we celebrate is because actually for the person who trusts Jesus, for the person who gets who Jesus is and what Jesus means for us and what today, Good Friday, means, there is actually nothing better. Folks, tonight I want to spend a couple couple minutes in three different passages. So normally we go through one long passage, but three different passages that are all going to point us in the same direction The direction we're going to be facing today is that we are going to spend time looking at the fact that what comes before us, what comes ahead, what we get to look forward to is so much better than what's come behind. What we get to look forward to is incomparable to all the greatness that we've experienced, all the sadness that we've experienced, everything that we've experienced, the highs and lows, there is nothing better than what's coming for us. And so if you'll join me I have Mama G with some slides in the back. We're going to look at three different passages. And the first one's going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to look at this idea of death. And we're going to spend some time unpacking it. And no, this is not going to be a comprehensive theology of death. We're not going to spend some time. We're not going to be uh, wailing and, and howling. It's not what that's going to be like. We're not going to spend any time doing that, hopefully. But we're going to spend some time sitting in this idea of death. Sitting in this idea that We're celebrating a day where a guy died. And there is nothing better. What a wild concept. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to see that death is not the end. We have it on the screens here for you. Or if you have your Bibles, if you want to scroll to it, here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this. For we know 
that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this, in this tent we groan, in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may be found, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that now what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you for what today means. Thank you for doing what you did today so that we can change our perspective towards death. God, help us sit for the next couple of days in in the fact that our Savior has died. But God, never let us end there. Never let us end just sad about our dead Savior. But God, show us what it looks like to appropriately celebrate the fact that that death means payment for our sins. It means the fact that you brought us, through your son, you've brought us back to yourself and that you rose again ultimately. God, show us what it looks like to appropriately sit in that awareness, but at the very same time, show us what it looks like to celebrate the fact that you are a risen Savior. We pray this all for your glory and for our joy. Amen. No, I love, I love this illustration Paul gives us because he starts off with something pretty interesting and I'm a bit of a fan of camping. And so when he talks about this earthly tent, I can't help but just get pumped out of my mind on it. It's, it's this idea that we have this tent that is not our permanent eternal home. Is that like an amen from anyone? I mean, I've had two knee surgeries already and I'm 26 now and Aaron's kids had eight stitches by the time he's three. Like, hallelujah, this is not our permanent body. This is not the body we take with us forever. We have a new body looking forward to. There is an eternal body. One of these days we're going to break camp and we are going to get to look forward to something so much more glorious. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning. It's the beginning of something incredible. I love camping, like I just said. It's a great opportunity to just get out there. I love being out there. Wherever there is, I love being out there. And I love, uh, I just love being with people, but away from people, time to just spend time reflecting. But every single time you're out there for three days, four days, whatever it is, there's always that last day where you're just excited to be back home. You're excited to break camp. You're excited to take your tent down. You're excited to take down your hammock, whatever you're sleeping in. You're excited to just put it away and head home, generally to a nice shower and a nice warm meal and four walls that are going to keep you warmer than it is outside. Whatever it is, we have this excitement looking forward to being home. We get to break camp and be where we're supposed to be. In the same way, Paul wants it to be so clear to us, this is a tent. This body, this earthly dwelling, we're not here forever. We were made for something else. Again, death is not the end. Death is just the beginning. It's the beginning of what we have to look forward to. Again, I, th- I feared death for so long. I was so afraid of death. And then the more I sat with the person of Jesus, the more I read his word to us, the more I tried to rack my mind and just think more about the love he has for us, I started realizing there is nothing to fear. Death isn't the end. Death is the beginning. (laughs) 
we just had to do that. It just has to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I'd planned that. That would have been fun. That would have been perfect timing. But no, it's, it's this idea. It's not the end. <laughs> that, was, that was silly. Hey, it's all good. That's fun. Death is not the end. Death is only the beginning. But a lot of you are asking, okay, we get to take down this tent. We get to break camp and get rid of our earthly dwelling and have something to look forward to. What is it that we're now looking forward to? Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. Some of you have the heading in your Bible if you're using the English Standard Version or a Bible published by Crossway. The heading in mine is Future Glory. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Sounds real nice. Death isn't the end. Death is just the beginning. The beginning of what? Paul says this in Romans chapter 8. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Ooh, I'm going to read that again because that sounds good. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. And I love that Aaron kept bringing us back to that word, in hope. Subjected in hope that the creation itself will, not, will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory with the children of God. Oh, goodness, future glory. Death isn't just... Death isn't the end, it's just the beginning. In death, we taste glory. Death is the beginning of when we taste glory. This future glory we're looking forward to, death, brings us to glory. Again, you guys know I like camping? I'm a huge fan of camping. Hannah and I love to camp as much as we can. For her birthday, we went to Portland, Oregon. And look at me, I don't really belong in Portland, but just outside of Portland, there is a, an incredible place called the Columbia River Gorge. Sound familiar? Columbia River Gorge? Golly, that place is amazing. We, we spent time, it was probably a whole day, am I right, Hannah? A whole day driving up one side and back the other, and every couple of seconds we'd pull off the road, go for a little 100-yard hike, and look at a train track, or look at the, the, the river, or look at another mountain, or look at a waterfall. Literally everywhere you turn, it is just incredible. I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, oh my goodness, we have a good God who has a good creator who makes incredible things. Yosemite, you guys ever go in the south entrance of Yosemite? You're going and you're driving for about 20 minutes inside the park and then you come through the tunnel and then you get to see this incredible view. After a couple minutes of driving through this dark tunnel, you open up and it's called Tunnel View. You literally have to catch your breath. It blows me away every time I go through there. I've done it probably a handful of times, and every single time I still can't help myself but to just pull off the side of the road, catch my breath, and see the incredible things God has made. This text, this text puts a, a bit of a twist on it. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That feeling of just, oh my goodness, look at this. Look at that view. Look at what God has created in a weird, in a, whatever it's going to look like. I have no idea. It's going to be incredible though. That stuff is now looking at us. 
Creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God, for the people who have found their satisfaction, found their trust, found their greatest joy in Christ, the people who are going to be transformed. Paul is saying, again, death is not the end. It's just the beginning. The beginning of what? It's when we taste glory. And the stuff that you stop and have to look at is now looking directly at you. All that stuff that just takes our breath away is now breathless looking at us as we are revealed and transformed into our risen, resurrected bodies. God has done some incredible creations. He's made some incredible things. And at the pinnacle of it are his sons and daughters. His sons and daughters where we get to taste glory. It is something that is going to be so incredible, this presence with God that is going to radically transform us It is so incredible, so miraculous, so spectacular that the incredible stuff God has made can't help but look at the revealing of the sons of God. They are waiting for it with eager expectation, with longing. There's nothing better than death. There's nothing better than what we have to look forward to. Death isn't the end. Death is just the beginning. It's the beginning of when we taste glory. Now, if you'll turn with me to the very last passage, we're going to unpack for another couple minutes. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you guys have read this before, we read it a minute ago during worship. Every time I read this passage, I have to just sit and think about it more and more because death brings something beautiful. It brings something so beautiful. Let's look at it. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, not to a dead hope, but he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Death isn't the end, friends. Death isn't the end. Death is the beginning. In death, we taste glory. And to prove it, God has given us this seal. God has proven it by giving us the seal of this living hope. It radically transforms. If we understand this idea of death, it radically transforms our outlook, not only on where we're going, but where we are here and now today. This isn't a dead hope. This isn't only a future hope. This isn't a hope that is reserved for those people somewhere, someday. No, this is a living hope here and now. If we understand who Jesus is, if we radically cling to Jesus, there's a living hope here and now. There's a living hope that we can look forward to, we can experience here and now, and we can look back on and see how it has brought us from life's first cry to final death, this radical hope. But the best part is that he doesn't stop there. He continues on in verse 6. Peter gives us this. He says, in this you rejoice. Your perspective is that death isn't the end. Your perspective is that death is just the beginning. Your perspective is that in death we taste glory. So what can anyone do to us if we have this perspective that death is actually gain? What can anyone do to us? He says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you don't see him, you love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him and you do what? It says you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Friends, we have this seal, this seal of living hope that changes our perspective so radically that nothing, no suffering, not the most heinous trial, not the most terrible thing on the planet can hold us back from just rejoicing with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. It's a beautiful thing to see Jesus and to cling to Jesus in a way and to focus on the future glory that we get to hold, but not just the future glory, the living hope here and now, this presence with Jesus, this presence with the maker and creator of our soul. There's something radical about that that radically transforms the way we view life in the most heinous, difficult things we can look it straight in the face and say, there is more joy in Jesus than there is anywhere else. Nothing is going to get me down. Nothing is going to get me down. Not a mishap on some stock market trade. Not a death in the family. Not a cancer in the family. Not sickness or health. Not trouble at work. Nothing can get us down because we're satisfied by the most satisfying thing ever. When we're searching for satisfaction where it doesn't belong, it rocks us, it shakes us. When we are so convinced that there is more satisfaction, more joy in Jesus than anywhere else, then it radically transforms the way we look at life. We rejoice, even in the midst of trials. We rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory because we've tasted, we've tasted the goodness of Jesus. We are convinced that there is more glory to come. There is more goodness to come. There is more satisfaction. There is more joy to come in death. And nothing can take that away from us. I want to finish with a story about a guy named Wally Norling. He's an old EFCA guy, EV free guy. And I remember chatting with him a few times when he was still around. But then uh, at the very end of his life, he had just been diagnosed with a pretty terminal heart condition. And so there was a video that, uh, that a church I was at got to make about him. And we interviewed him and said, Wally, you just got some bad news from the doctor today, didn't you? And he says, yeah, the doctor told me I have a few days to live. He said, my heart is slowly going to stop beating and that'll be the end. And the question was, Wally, how does that make you feel? How, how do you look at that? Wally's answer blew me away. It's an answer that I've never heard before or not appropriately applied to his life, but, but he, he answered, looking at death, if I still had a singing voice, I would have sung the hallelujah chorus. That's radical. My heart is going to stop beating in the next couple of days, but there's nothing better because that means eternity with Jesus, who I get to look forward to and be with face 
to face. I get to be in the immediate presence of Jesus. Creation is going to watch as my body is just radically transformed into this new body and I don't have to breathe on oxygen anymore and have these plugs on my nose. I don't have to be able to just be carted around when I'm walking. I don't have to be suffering in this daily life because there is so much more to come. Friends, I think Wally understood this perfectly. This old guy was just so satisfied in Jesus that nothing could get him down. In death, he was tasting glory. In death, he tasted glory. And now he is so content. There's nothing better than death. For the person who trusts and treasures and finds their greatest satisfaction in Jesus, there is nothing better than death. Jesus paved the way for us. He led the way for us. Because of what he did, we get to look at death with a completely different lens. We no longer have to look in fear. We no longer have to be terrified of what is to come. Why? Because Jesus paid it for us. Jesus changed the game in so many ways. And what we're celebrating today is the fact that he is such a game changer. He brings us to God. In death, Jesus brings us to his Father, to our Father, and there is nothing better. Friends, the glory of death is that the best is yet to come. The glory of trusting Jesus, the glory of being completely satisfied in the person of Jesus and finding your satisfaction in what he did for us by dying and bringing us to God shows us that the best is yet to come. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for being good to us. God, thank you again. Thank you for being the living sacrifice. Thank you for being the one who paid our way. Thank you for bringing us to God, for dying to bring us to our Father. God, thank you for what today means to us. Thank you for the fact that you changed the course of history forever. God, help us live our lives. Help us view our day-to-day situations in a way that reminds us that the best is yet to come. God, help us see that more clearly every day. By clinging more to you, help us see that the best is yet to come. We pray this for your glory and for our joy. Amen.